This is Things That Really Matter, a podcast by Global Multidisciplinary Engineers Kundal that is dedicated to creating new and innovative solutions for the built environment and driving the agenda towards a more sustainable future. Join us as we discuss the challenges and changes that affect the built environment around the world with the brightest minds in our industry. Hello and welcome to the Things That Really Matter podcast. I'm Rick Navarro, Head of Clients and Marketing APAC with Kundal. And today I am delighted to have with me Richard Stratton. Richard joined Kundal in 1994 and today is a partner in the business and managing director of our MENA region. Richard, welcome to the Things That Really Matter. Thank you very much, Rick. Nice to be here. Nice to be in Melbourne. (laughs) Excellent to have you here. Now, Richard, I was really interested to read how your fascination with engineering was actually inspired at a young age, working alongside your father and grandfather, solving problems with practical solutions. So I'm curious to hear from you on what were some of those seminal moments that really lit the flame for you that has since produced a career in engineering? I'm of an age where technology wasn't uh, prevalent and I was brought up in a I suppose in a, at a time and in, a, in an environment where there wasn't plenty available. So you sort of had to make the most of what you had. Um, my grandfather was a carpenter and my father was a, like a, a gas fitter and electrician, you know, so they, they were both quite practical people. So I guess if I was to pick out two examples of things that you know just made me realize you know problem solving and also just creating things uh, without necessarily having to spend lots or invest lots one, one of our aging relatives uh, lived in a drafty old house and needed really needed double glazing but she couldn't afford it mm-hmm. so working with my grandfather we made a secondary double glazing system for her from scratch, you know. So my grandfather bought the raw timber, we made the frames, we bought the glass, we cut it, we put the hinges on, we fitted everything and then took it round to her house and fitted it all, all in her house. And, and it really, really worked very well. As I got older, I, I took up sport and my sport was uh, cycle racing. And um, that was an expensive enough sport in its own right. But the other thing that was really expensive was all the tools that you needed to maintain your bike, fix your bike, things like that. And um Myself and my dad got scrap metal and we built, um, lots, you know, we made lots of the tools, you know, so he had welding gear, he had grinding gear, he had all, you know, the, the dies to thread, you know, everything, make bolts, make nuts, you know, the whole thing. So we, we put together and, and built tools, started off fairly crude, but again, it was all built out of secondhand, like old bicycle chains, you know, old bits of steel that we salvaged and we made them and like things like wheel building rigs and sprocket spanners and all of these things. And it got to the point where my friends were actually asking me to make them for them. So it was was things like that. And it was, I suppose, fundamentally, it's about problem solving. And that's really what interested me is I look at a problem and I've always looked at a problem. I like to be creative, but it has to be based on, you know, solving something for the benefit of something or someone. And it seems to me like it really set the foundation for what is essentially at the heart of being a good engineer. So problem solving, using practical tools around you and innovating. Yeah. Fantastic. Common sense. (laughs) (laughs) There is that as well. Now, I mentioned in our intro that you joined Kundal in 1994, and that's truly a remarkable legacy as you edge towards 30 years (laughs) with Kundal. 
based on this successful longevity and the fact that you're still very much enjoying your day-to-day role, what are the top three pieces of advice that you would impart to graduates or early career professionals on realising a successful engineering career? Uh, you know, be, I would always say be brave. You know, don't be afraid to say anything, to do anything or to try anything. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, engineering, design, it's about innovation, you know. So you need, you need to be able to put yourself out there. And, um, yeah, you know, sometimes you might get criticised, sometimes you might get shot down. But actually, in my experience, most people want to hear from people. They want people to be creative. They want people to uh, innovate and participate because otherwise we achieve nothing, you know. And, you know, be passionate, follow your dreams. You know, I think it's, it's real. I mean, that might sound like a bit of a cliche, but, you know, li- life is short. So you've got to enjoy what you do. If you enjoy what you do, you'll do it well. You know, and I think that's that's the most thing. I mean, I've always loved, you know, we work in an industry where we deal with people and we deal with, you know, technical challenges. And both of them, you know, to get on with people, you have to enjoy what you're doing. To do a good job, you have to enjoy what you're doing. So I think that's that's really important. But I think the other thing I would say, and I suppose I've seen this more later in my career, is it's it's good to be ambitious, but don't let your ambition trip you up. You know, I think if you're good and you do good work, it just it gets recognized. Like so from my point of view, all I ever did was I just worked hard, did what I did, and other people saw what I was doing and recognized it. And I guess the rewards came for me or came to me as a consequence of that. I didn't look at the position I wanted to be in and chase it. And I've I've come across lots of people that have done that and just become very frustrated by it. Really well captured, and I think you've been able to summarise it really nicely, Richard, by saying you're realising your ambition through persistence, innovation, hard work and teamwork, as you say, and then topping that off with, you know, having an empathic sort of approach as well, which is brilliant. Now, in your role as Partner and Managing Director for the MENA region, what are some of the key focus areas on which you collaborate with the APAC region? It's interesting, actually, because since we... When we opened the office in in Dubai, I think, if I'm right, I think uh, after Melbourne, and we've been collaborating since then. So in the very early days of the the Dubai office, uh, there was an unexpected focus on sustainability. You know, just the nature of the leadership in in Dubai, they were getting a lot of criticism for their uh, sustainable performance, you know, sort of a you know, manufactured city as it was perceived and all of the energy it demanded. And we were positioned in the right place. And the Australian business was doing some absolutely incredible work in, in the area of sustainability. Really innovative, you know, just think um, an approach that lots of other companies just weren't embracing, you know. And it was fantastic because we were able to leverage off that expertise and and fully involve uh, I think it was a, a lot of it was done through the Sydney office at the time but we were able to fully involve the team in Sydney to to help with those projects yeah it's interesting to hear about that collaboration and, and I suppose by extension I'm also really keen to unpack your insights as we've we're sort of slowly emerging from this COVID-19 pandemic and really hear from you Richard on from your perspective what are some of the positives and valuable business and management insights that you've personally taken from what has essentially been quite a disruptive period? Speaking personally, I would say tolerance, trust, and flexibility. 
you know, I would say are the key, my key personal realizations. I think as an industry, and you know, to an extent, this would exist within, would have existed within Condal. There's quite a, there's quite a resistance as an industry uh, to move to a more agile working, and it's largely on the basis around concerns around effective communication. You know, trusting people to um, deliver on their commitments. And the thing about COVID nineteen is we we got a bit of a sneak as a business, I suppose, in some ways, if you can be fortunate, in what occurred. The fact that we had businesses in in Asia meant that we the rest of the business were aware it was coming. So we were able to respond to it quite quickly. Um, and what it, So it forced us into the new world of essentially complete agile working. Now, as Candle continues to grow organically across the globe, one of our next offices flagged for opening is in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. So I know you are personally intimately involved in this expansion. So what can you tell me about the decision to open an office in KSA and I suppose the type of work Kundal will be focusing on within that region. We've been working on projects in Saudi Arabia since about 2010. Not mega projects, but working with lots of global clients on, on their projects there. So we know the region well. We know what it's like working there. We did actually investigate setting up a business there a, a couple of years prior, but the political landscape at the time wasn't really... We, we were just a bit cautious about it. But the primary driver has been around greater resilience for the for the regional business. Um, you know, all all parts of the world go through these natural economic peaks and troughs, and the Saudi market has certainly helped us over the last couple of years. You know, with with the work that's coming through. And one thing about the Saudi market at the moment is because of their drive to diversify their own economic position you know they're they're trying to diversify away from fossil fuel and very much into tourism and um, social development and and that's not just social services like healthcare and and education but it's also social entertainment and the new leadership in in Saudi it's youthful uh, it's changed some of the structures there and and they know that they need to look after their people. And it's actually quite interesting that when you look at the 2030 vision for Saudi and you look at the Kundal strategy and our vision, you know, and our non-negotiables, there's a lot of synergy there. You know, they're, they're a young population and they're embracing virtually all of the lessons learned elsewhere in the world. So they're not starting from, you know, a complete standstill. They've looked at other parts of the world and they want to do everything um to the highest possible standards. So they've got quite challenging, most of the these giga projects have very challenging sustainability standards. We're already working in the Red Sea development um, giga project doing a dark skies initiative, which is essentially about minimizing or avoiding light pollution after the development of that zone compared to what it is now. And it seems to me that it really dovetails and aligns nicely with Kundal's ability to be innovators and change makers. And, yeah. you know, it provides that, that opportunity. Now, switching gears, so to speak, I understand you personally are a keen cyclist, Richard, and uh, still ride, own and use on a regular basis your road bike purchased in 1983. That's outstanding. <laughs> Um, aside from the, the obvious physical advantages as you glide along on your 40-year-old bike, how do you use that time to perhaps practice mindfulness or ponder issues that may be happening in your world? Yeah, um, yeah I'm, not, I'm not sure I actually glide. 
<laughs> a few people that know me might actually suggest my bike's an electric bike, but um, but no, I think you know the uh, if if I from my you know my personality, I'm a fairly social person, but I do like a long time, you know, and I, and, I, and I think I think that's important for all of us, you know. We we um, we need to have some time to kind of reflect on things and you know an introspective assessment of ourselves, and that's what me going out on the bike I don't get out as regularly as I'd like to at the moment but that's what getting out on the bike gives me you know it's the time to reflect on things uh, there's no distractions you know so and it gives me the peace to think a little bit more clearly you know I don't always cycle alone I mean my wife comes out with me sometimes my son used to come out with me before he moved away uh, and sometimes I go out with friends and, and, and colleagues and uh, you know if I look back on the most challenging times in my career uh, they've often been aligned with the, the times or the periods where I've probably neglected my physical and mental health. And, you know, so I definitely would always encourage people to find an activity you enjoy. Doesn't doesn't really matter what it is. And do something just to balance your lifestyle. Well, actually, beautiful and lovely sentiments to finish on, Richard. And so glide or not, it's been an absolute <laughs> pleasure to catch up with you today. Thank you for joining us on this podcast. No, it's my pleasure, Rick. And it's, as I say, it's great to be sitting here in the Melbourne office. It's a beautiful place. Yeah. And just a final reminder to our listeners that you can access this and all other Cundall podcasts on our website or via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or via Spotify. Thanks for listening. Until next time, embrace life. This is a podcast by Cundall, the first engineering consultancy to be certified carbon neutral by the Carbon Trust.